All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ come upon you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Hello, horror heads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa. And this week, we are getting into what is honestly, when you look at the whole thing, an absolute goldmine of horror movies as we are finally tapping that sweet, sweet vein called Hammer Horror. Anybody unfamiliar? Hammer Films, incredible just wonderful movies. I mean, you got to have a feel for them. They're they're not for everybody. We, we I will say that. But man, when you get into them, this is where you get your Christopher Lee Dracula. This mm-hmm. is where you get just so much good stuff. But Peter Cushing Frankenstein. Peter Cushing Frankenstein. But we're not going to go with the Christopher Lee Dracula. No, no, no. We decided to do vampires a little bit differently. And we're going to be doing a review of a little movie called Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter, released in 1974, oft touted as the last great Hammer Horror film. Mm -hmm. So this one was one I had never even heard of before you threw it out there, Dave. Like, how did you even come across this thing? So a couple years back, I went on a Hammer Horror deep dive. And I basically went through... Everything that they released from 1958, which was kind of like the rebirth of Hammer Studios. They were almost exclusively like a sci-fi B-movie movie studio before then. And then 1958, they do uh, the the Curse of Frankenstein and completely revitalize their entire studio and they see that oh man you know we've got this uh this awesome stable of actors here that we can use to make these horror movies and so they reuse a lot of the same actors a lot of the same directors and writers and they go let's do dracula it's like oh shit that's an even bigger hit uh let's go the mummy and they just start tapping into all these universal properties and so i found that i was really digging these things so this was probably close to 10 years ago i did this hammer deep dive and uh, once i finished the the dracula and the frankenstein and the mummy series i was like fuck there's got to be more and so i went like really obscure and i'm like (laughs) the karnstein trilogy let's fucking go man uh you know lesbian vampires i am on board you know vampire circus fuck yeah let's do that and so i i stumbled upon this in this deep dive and i was like captain chronos vampire hunter the title alone was like i'm in (laughs) i kept i kept I kept waiting for him to travel through time. Spoiler, he doesn't. His name isn't Kronos <laughs> with a C-H. It's with a K. So there's no time travel in Captain Kronos, in case anyone was like, I can't wait till they get to that part. Coincidentally, no 
the idea behind Captain Kronos was that this was going to be the first in a series. And he was, in fact, going to travel through time. And <laughs> fight yes, van- I knew it. Fight- yeah, he was going to fight vampires all over the world in all different times. And it kind of puts into perspective the fact that um, this guy who seems, like, oddly out of place. Because, like, he's, yes. he does, like, Buddhist meditation, right? And he's he's got, like, a fucking katana that he uses with deadly accuracy. Like, Zatoichi would be proud yes. of this guy, you know? Um, he's got all these different influences from all over the world. Uh, you know, he's 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 smoking like like fucking Indian marijuana here. You know, the the Kush, you know, the good yes. stuff. Right. And it's like, where the fuck is he getting this stuff from? And it's because the idea here is he is a time traveler uh-huh. and 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 him and and Grost are just fighting vampires across time. Like, that's so fucking cool. And if you look at the logo, like the K, it does kind of look I mean, there's a couple things going on there. It looks like a bow and arrow, right. right? It looks like the letter K, but it also like the arrow looks like it could be the seconds hand on a clock. Yeah. And and so I think all these things are like melding together and giving you this. Unfortunately, the movie just did not make money. Right. So they had to nix this idea, but they brought on board the producers and writers of uh, one of the greatest British TV shows of all time, The Avengers. Yes. to uh to produce this movie and, and and so you get a lot of that like you know hey this is this is episodic you know this very well could have been the pilot of a new tv show in in the best possible way yeah i like and that's like just based on the name that's kind of what i thought i was going to be in for and you know i did get that feeling because he just kind of shows up out of nowhere he's a man of mm-hmm. mystery immediately rescues a damsel in distress and then at the end, he just rides off into the sunset. And it's like, it's, so he's just yeah. off to fight vampires elsewhere. Especially <laughs> like they, you know, they had all this knowledge of, you know, different types of vampires, which mm-hmm. I would assume means that they have traveled the world fighting them. Because it was, because when you look at vampire mythology, it's, there's always a vein that makes them all vampires, but then everybody has their own thing. So it seemed like he'd definitely been places other than the British countryside fighting right. vampires because he had a very deep breadth of knowledge when it comes to him. So when, you, when you're looking at Captain Kronos here, and this is not my first hammer whore, it's my first one in a while, but it is not my first one. But do you feel that this is really representative, like as a good as a good take on oh, hammer horror, like, do you feel like this is a good place for people to like get a feel for how the, I mean, it's the sub genre works. I don't know that this would be the first movie I'd put on for someone as an introduction to hammer. Um, I definitely think that I might go to like the horror of Dracula, the first of the, the Christopher Lee Dracula films um, as something that's like, you know, real classic in, right. in the hammer sense. However, I do think that there's a lot of that hammer DNA here, even though this is coming towards the the end of uh, hammers kind of reign as as the the horror gods. Right. Um, You know, it's it's very period. It feels right. All the costumes are right. The the sets are right. You know, and they do feel like sets. And that's something that hammer had, um, I think, down to a T 
where it was you know like you, you could it, it almost felt like a play was being yeah. put on um you know the the style of acting the style of lighting it the hammer had a way that things looked and, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they shared um creative teams so like these filmmakers were all working on each other's movies so it was uh, it, it was like a family uh the, the way that you hear uh, to keep it british um like the, the james bond team right is uh particularly early on in those sean connery and roger moore movies where um like you really only had like four directors making those first like 16 movies you know that's kind of crazy you know yeah. you have you have the same set designer and 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 lighting designer and costume designer working on all this stuff you, you become a family and you get to really know how each other work and and that's I think one of the great things that you get in this movie is that it does feel like a hammer film, but because they went outside of the hammer family for writing and directing, uh, getting, uh, I think his name is Brian Clemens to come in and, and do this. It doesn't feel like a true hammer film. It's hammer, but it's unique. It's its own thing. Right. And and so um, Hammer was experimenting with different kinds of horror by uh, by the early 70s because things were starting to wind down. Ticket sales were not what they once were. But you do start getting some like weird things like um, like you got a Kung Fu vampire movie. <laughs> of course you did. Um, and, and it's it's surprisingly not bad. I'm not going to say it's good, but it's surprisingly not bad. And 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 ridiculously enjoyable. Uh, you have that uh, that one I mentioned, Vampire Circus. You know, and there's there's these like weird attempts at like uh, zhuzhing up, as it were, uh, right. the the horror movie. And 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 this is one of those attempts that I think works really really well because you're taking like swashbuckling action, uh, romantic adventure, and you're mixing it with horror. And it doesn't at first seem like the type of thing that works, but when you have, I think, the right cast and the right story and 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 you you strike the right tone where it's just a little bit tongue in cheek. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 taking itself seriously enough that it knows what it needs to accomplish. But you're also aware that you're a hammer movie. So you do have the heaving bosoms and you do have the bright red blood and you do yes. have just a little bit of that camp factor there. Like it, 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 to me, it, it is a perfect hammer movie without being a quintessential hammer movie. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I like that take a lot. It's for me, I was surprised at you. You used a lot of words, to to say the word that I would use is lofty. Like there was there was yeah. there was there was like a lot that was put into this, a lot of ideas, a lot of big swooping shots that were just like, wow, this feels hammer, but doesn't look hammer. You know, it mm -hmm. was there were there were just it, it was it was very much not like anything hammer I'd ever seen before. Uh, like it started and I was like, okay, yeah, I get right. We're, we got some zooms here, you know, where mm -hmm. we're doing the hammer stuff. And then all of a sudden it's just like, here comes a guy on horseback with a sword. And I was like, wait, what? 
It's like he's got <laughs> two swords, and I was like, God damn! And then they just like, and, it, and it's a rapier and a katana, yes, no less. And it's a rapier and a katana, which, like I said, I'm so happy to hear that I wasn't just this movie. It was it's the weirdest thing. So I usually tend to watch. We record on Wednesdays. I usually tend to re- watch the movies on Tuesdays, so they're like fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. When I got up this morning. And uh, and I was like doing stuff, and throughout the day, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm getting ready for podcast tonight. And I'd be thinking back on the movie, and I was like, was that really part of the movie, or like, did I dream that? <laughs> like, because it's there's there's so much bizarreness here, but it's not bad bizarreness. It's right. it's functional. It's fun bizarreness. I mean, it was just. You know, and like you said, there there are the the hammer tropes are definitely there. Uh, you there's there's you know one very specific scene where um, he says, "So are you staying?" And she says, "If you'll have me." He says, "Oh, I'll have, I'll have you. you." And then they zoom, <laughs> they, they zoom straight in on Caroline uh, Caroline Monroe's eyes, and I was like, "There it is. There's the eye yeah. check." Like uh, you know, there's the hammer stuff is there. Like you, you been, you mentioned the red blood, you know, I mean, it's bright red blood, you know, but it was, and then I kept waiting to be like, Oh, okay. I see. So they kind of got away from horror and yeah, it's like an action movie, but then there are some pretty terrifying scenes where it's like, okay, it it is horror. And then you use the word swashbuckling, which, which hits the nail on the head for a word that I was searching for. Like (laughs) I was like, I was like, how do I turn princess bride into an adjective? Right? Like, yeah, (laughs) that's, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like an Errol Flynn movie from the forties, but reimagined as a vampire movie made with hammer. (laughs) Yes. And so like, they just, they did. There were. There were. Like I said, it's just the word I kept coming back to was lofty. Like they just. They had these big ideas and these goals of what they wanted to accomplish. And honestly, with as much as packed in here and as many twists and turns as kind of this movie takes between action and a little bit of love and a little bit of comedy and a little bit of horror and all that, it's like I don't know that that they must have left much of anything on the cutting room floor because yeah. we got a lot. <laughs> Including a couple of scenes, well, one scene in particular that, honestly, I can't even figure out why it exists, but we'll get to there when we talk about the story. <laughs> it's just, they, they, there's so much here, and it's so much fun, and it was great to see some of these familiar faces. You know, I, mm-hmm. I texted you while I was watching, I was like, oh my god, like, I'm recognizing so many people, you know? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yep, there they are. And I was like, that's Lobot. You're like, yes, it is. I'm like, son of a bitch. This guy can't stop serving people. And no. so it was just, God, it was it was a lot of fun. It 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 definitely scratches the itch for for Hammer. But you're right. I would not be like, oh, you've never heard of Hammer Horror? <laughs> Let me show you Captain Chronos. You know, we'll right. get there. We'll get there. I got a good one down the line. But for right now, yeah, check out what they did with Peter Cushing and Frankenstein because that's incredible. And it's right. And and right. you're you're gonna get a feel for it. But man, it was I I I had zero expectations either way. I was I I I knew it was Hammer. I like Hammer, so I it had mm-hmm. that going for it. Other than that, I was like the only thing I expected was for him to travel through time, and he didn't. But now knowing that that was kind of the plan, it's no longer a disappointment. Yeah, and um, I mean, I I guess you can't really hint at it in the first installment. Right. They would have if this movie would have been made today. 
they would have tried to to make this a uh, a shared universe right from the get go. Correct. And and um, th- they would have overstuffed it with all of these unresolved uh, plot points that they would have resolved you know four or five movies down the road (laughs) and the movie would not have made enough money for us to see how it ended up and we would have had something that does not work as a completed film Uh, but that's not the way things worked in the 70s so they had these plans that they hoped worked out and they made the best movie that they could make at that moment and unfortunately it didn't work out there is a continuation which i have not read yet and i always planned to do and after watching the movie uh yesterday i also watched it yesterday um i just went on amazon and ordered it and i'm like you know fuck it i'm I'm, i if not now when and it's a um it's a comic book it's a graphic novel and it is a continuation of the story it's not an adaptation of the story so we do get to see grost and carla and chronos back at it again see i know that they did a there's a book but it's just a novelization of the film right it's not like a sequel or anything like that and i I, when i was getting when i was getting on our instagram i did run across a bunch of like comic covers and so, but I didn't really look into whether or not those were a real thing or this movie has quite a cult following. People, it people, really does. People like the people who like this movie like it a lot. Yeah. And so like, I was like, are these actual things or is this like fan art? So uh, that's, that's cool to know that it, I mean, there's an actual continuation to it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm interesting to know, I'm interested to know where the story goes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so tune in, uh, you know, a week from now, um, you know, because thanks to Amazon uh, Prime, you know, I can <laughs> start reading it tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, and speaking of story, uh, we've we've mentioned this a little bit. Hammer amalgamated different kinds of you know movies here, genres here. Um, you touched on it briefly. Do you think this works? Does it work as a swashbuckling action adventure picture? Does it work as a sort of romantic throwback to the forties with, you know, Errol Flynn and um, uh, who is the other one? Uh, Tyrone power and all these, these guys that I'm sure I'm the only one who, who remembers this stuff. <laughs> I know, anymore. I know Errol Flynn. Uh, you, now, uh, if you keep throwing out names, I'm done. Yeah. Everyone knows Errol Flynn. Tyrone power. Very, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tyrone power very famously played Zorro. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, in uh, in the Marcus Zorro. So did Antonio um, Yes, yes, he did, <laughs> and is my preferred Zorro. Um, so, um, does it work as a swashbuckling film? Does it work as a throwback? And does it work as a horror movie? And when you mash these things together, do you think it works? And is there anything particular about the story you're like that stands out? I really like that, or fuck that, that didn't work. So I think that when you really boil this one down, every time we do one of these kind of genre blurring movies, you know, we always try to look at what the pie chart would look like. Mm -hmm. And um, this one's definitely got a lot of slices while I, I definitely, excuse me just a second. Sorry. We just got a new cat and um (laughs) (laughs) my doll and so like we used to have a cat and uh, he passed away but we kept his litter box in like a closet with like a little cat door he could get to it well the kitten hasn't can't figure that out yet 
my dog likes cat litter and i just looked over and he was in the cat litter so i had to oh, yell boy. at him immediately so anyway he's out now and laying down okay so we're looking at the <laughs> ah the the joys of recording in your kitchen so we're looking at the pie chart whenever we do these kind of genre blurring um films we always try to see you know is it more it's a horror comedy is it more horror is it more comedy you know it's mm-hmm. it's sci-fi this one i feel the largest piece of the pie does fall in that swashbuckling category but there are enough horror elements here that that i think that it does deserve both of those names and i think it works really really well maybe just because it's not something that you see done a lot and so it was it was a really cool combination of things and i ended up really really liking that like i was looking forward to sword scenes and and to sword fights and and to just like the when they're when they're tracking them and stuff like that they they mixed in a lot of really good lore here the whole thing with burying dead toads and then if a vampire crosses over it it comes back to life yeah sure i mean i i, I don't know if they made that it for this, yeah. but yeah it works for <laughs> me right um they did they, they threw all this stuff in and it felt like they knew when to use which elements mm-hmm. you know there was they knew the right times for a fight scene and they knew the right times for things to be scary or suspenseful and they it definitely was all very well planned to where these things work because you get this story like i said earlier this guy he just rides into town meets this woman she's in the stocks for dancing on a sunday Mm. and so he cuts her free they ride it you know they ride off he meets his buddy and his buddy's like man there's vampires or like these people are dying and then they're like and he tells them well they're, they're they're just showing up and they're old and they're dead and, you know, he says, well, it's vampires because they come from all over and they do all sorts of things. And then it just goes forward from there. But you get this really cool story where they've got to first off figure out who the vampires are. It's yeah. not just it's not what, just what kind of vampire are. They? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not just, oh, look at that creepy castle. That's where the vampire is. Let's go mm-hmm. get him. They had to figure out <laughs> who among them was the vampire, what type of vampire it was. And then how to go about dispatching said vampire. And then they even have to like scheme. Then they run, there's like a little Ocean's Eleven to it where they've <laughs> got to send in uh, Caroline Monroe to, to be the bait because they're, they think they know who the vampire is. They've got a pretty good idea. They at least know what house the vampire's in. Right. And so they send her in to be bait and they're slinging that old school dope grappling hook up and crashing down through windows and shit. And they just, it was, Ah, God, man, it was it was so much fun. All of it was was pieced together well. And this movie had one of my favorite vampire scenes in it now, which was the trial and error execution of his friend. (laughs) Oh, man, it's it's comical. It's It's so funny. Like so. So Dr. Marcus. Uh, Captain Kronos's friend realizes mm. that he is he, he's become a vampire and the, he, they're trying to decide, well, can we save him? No, we can't save him. We've got to just kill him. So they try to drive a stake through his heart. And yeah, there's this like really comical moment where they, he screams, but then they pulls it out and, he, and he's not bleeding. And it's like, well, shit. 
And so yeah. then they have to try to figure out what's going to and, 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 and they play it like deadpan. Yes. Because Grost is like, the vampire only bleeds upon death. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, oh shit. Okay, cool. So th this this is how yeah. this works. All right. So so wooden stake, no good. What's next? So they like string him up and pull his chair, hang him by his neck while he's still in his chair, and they bring him down. And then Doctor Marcus just has this great scene where he's like he's there and he's looking dead, and then he just kind of slowly lifts his head up and he just goes and just like shakes it off, and it's like. What the hell is happening? Here? Like, I honestly was, could have seen that so scene good. in what we do in the shadows. Yes, it, it was, it, and 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 they played it straight or there, a Mel there, Brooks there, film. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, and, like Dracula dead and loving it. Or yes, something. and it was just yeah, but and yeah, everybody is they're so serious about it, and. It's one of those things where Frank Kowalski saying in that one guy was watching the entire time. He was. He just stood there. I'm like, yeah. And if he had had just a little bit of context there, I really think that it it, it would have. Uh, well, I mean, it did bring us one of the best swash, swashbuckling moments in the movie. So, it did. You know, uh, but yeah, that, that was kind of funny. Just, you know, it was just, Tom and like I there. said, it's it's this thing where on its surface it seems. It seems so gruesome, you know, like you can see you can see like a, like Eli Roth, like jerking off, thinking about remaking that scene. Right. <laughs> and like he's like, I'm going to show him how they should have done it. And I love Eli Roth, but he would have done that scene and it would have been awful. <laughs> like, yeah. but, Buckets of blood and tripe yes, everywhere. But the way that they did it was just so good and it fit the movie so perfectly just things like that, just where things that are delivered so straight, but you're allowed, they're, you're allowed to laugh at them because there is an element of comedy to them. That's, that's that, that's where you're like, that's right. Like this is hammer. I, I remember now, I think that they did a great job kind of smashing all this stuff together to make this movie. And it was just, I, like I said, I think that when it's all said and done, that swashbuckling pie chart piece is probably the biggest, most important mm -hmm. one. But it it definitely deserves to be considered a horror movie as well. And I, they, they did it well. One of the things that I think works really well here, which doesn't always work with uh, Hammer movies, um, horror movies in general, I think, is when there's no blood or sex on screen. The movie gets really boring. Right. Um, and we've talked about this when we've done slashers in the past, where um, there's a good chunk of slashers that until someone is being murdered or someone is getting railed, um, it's just not fun. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's boring. It gets bogged down in a ludicrous story that just doesn't make any sense. And I don't think that happens here. This is this is a movie where I think the mystery of what kind of vampire this is and who is this vampire matters. They make you care about that. Right. And on top of that, the way that they get there, I think, is rather interesting. They play this almost like Sherlock and Dr. Watson. Um, where, like, Kronos never explains himself to anyone, uh, but Professor Gross does. Yes. And he, he, he plays that kind of Dr. Watson role where he's like, you know, uh, 
Carla asks at one point, she's like, you know, why do we have to build the the, the fire and, and the and the camp while he sleeps? And he goes, well, tomorrow he goes to work. And, you know, there's this sense that like, you know, he there's there's a grandness to him. And, and it all kind of works together, these elements of, of the story. And it, it never feels dull. Yeah, never. Which that is the worst thing a movie can be, in my opinion, is boring. Uh, because even if you're swinging for the fences and, uh, you know, you just flat out, you know, fucking miss, at least at least you were swinging, you right. know, but but that movie that's just boring, like there's no saving it. This movie swings for the fences. And, and I think like nine times out of ten, it knocks it out of the park. And that to me is the greatest thing about this movie is that there's really not a moment where you're ever let down because you're either truly entranced with the story or you're on board with the action mm -hmm. or you're on board with the horror. And uh, there are some good looking chicks in this movie. And, and yes. that's, that, that's one thing that hammer never let go of from the very beginning. They were like, we want to make our movies as sexy as possible and and they do it in, in this movie without showing any skin. Yes, like I got uh, so genius when when Carol Monroe gets naked before they have sex in the barn. They the way they line up the shadows. I mean, just yeah. the the picture perfect shadows. You know, it like so just little teases like that, or you know, she's always just kind of covered up or just holding a blanket. But you're right with 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 no with with less skin than you would see at a at a at a beach. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting because it does feel romantic and it does feel sexy in classic hammer um, sensibility. And yet, um, I mean, there's movies where there's like flat fuck out full frontal going on right. in some of these hammer movies. You know, so this is really tame in comparison. Um, and then there's also like on top of these genre blends that are going on. You've also got different um, like filmmaking styles that are blended as well. So you've got like a bit of the Western in there. Yeah. And you've got a bit of the samurai movie in there. Like I got loads of Sergio Leone um, who you know famously made the, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly trilogy, the Dollars trilogy. And I got loads of Akira Kurosawa yes. as well. And, uh, you know, that showdown in the bar. Like I mean, that. It was, it, it was like it, it was, straight it, out of an anime. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was. It was so awesome the way that it was shot because you, you get that like Mexican standoff with like the close you know, shots to the eyes. If it had been scored by Ennio Morricone, you would have thought that this might have been like a long lost Sergio Leone film. Right. It was. And yet it did still feel kind of Kurosawa-ish. It was, it was very, very odd. Um, you know, and then you get hints of like those Zatoichi movies. And I forget the name of the guy who directed many of those Zatoichi films. And I'm going to butcher it either way. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it, there's there's such a great mix of styles here. You know, and then uh, there, some of those scenes where you're getting, you know, the swashbuckling action going on. It's filmed very much in the way that like 
those old like John Ford action movies were made in Hollywood. So there's so many different things going on here and there's lots of different ideas. And I think they all work. Yeah, this is this is one of those instances where it's not an original idea because there's so many different things that are getting pulled in here. And yet somehow they all come together to create something that is new and is unique and happens to work because some, yeah. sometimes it's like, okay, we're going to pull from here. We're going to pull from here. Look at this new thing that I just made. And it's like, mm, nah, it doesn't work. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. You know, you, I'll, you, I'll, you don't I'll, always I'll, get a duck billed platypus, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, right. Turns out it's cute. Who knew? Uh, sometimes you just get a big <laughs> pile of stuff. So speaking of, so while we're, while we're talking story here, there was a moment in this film that has left me, I have been racking my brain and I'm either missing something really obvious or it's something just light years beyond anything I thought of. So help me out if you've got any ideas here. Okay. So when they decide that it. I think we lost Daniel. He froze. <laughs> oh wait oh, i think he's coming. Ah, you're back you're back okay okay yeah back. Right. you're good okay you're so good. they they discover that the iron cross um kills uh dr marcus so they're like okay so they, they decide steel to make cross. a sword. Steel, steel cross steel cross, steel cross. Yeah. so they decide to make a sword out of a steel cross from the cemetery while they're forging it he's just like sitting uh chronos is just like sitting there with a bag on his head or something like did did you notice that did you did you yeah. even see that like what the hell is happening there i think from what i've read this was his buddhist meditation okay so it's like a sensory deprivation thing yeah i think that's what that is okay um, which i don't know how much sensory deprivation is going on when carla's hanging on you right but he was um, covering his ears too but so I yeah mean, yeah I you know kind of see it to me, it, I think it was just more of a suggestive thing. Like, this is obviously something foreign. Got it. Whatever is going on here, right? It does suggest um, more travels. This is okay. something he picked up along the way. And um, and he's using this technique right now because as soon as he's got this sword, he knows exactly where he's going and who he's going to fuck up. Or at least okay. he thinks he knows who he's going to so fuck getting up. It, so he's getting in the zone. Yeah. And, and and I mean, and I can see that. Like, I just, I kept, I don't know. I kept trying to like find something really deep in it or like <laughs> try to think of a reason that he couldn't like see the sword until he used it. And it's just like, it's, it's, it was like, it was like plaguing me. <laughs> like a groom and his bride. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, are you not allowed to watch the sword being made? Will it not be effective? I'm very confused. There's so many rules that they throw out that who knows it might have been. <laughs> very, very true. So, okay. I can rest easy now. With yeah. that one. So, <laughs> so you know, we, we've talked at length about this idea that, that Captain Kronos, you know, possibly was going to travel through time. I mean, he's a very deep character with a lot of influences that we don't even know everything about. But when you're looking at all the characters in this movie, I mean, you've got some hammer stalwarts, some people that you see all the time. You've got some newcomers. You've got people who fit into those different types of genres that we have talked about mm -hmm. how did this cast of characters work together to pull off what we keep saying is a movie that works real well. How did all these different types of characters mesh to make that happen? 
I think they work really well. Um, and we we've got like a mix of characters uh, of actors here. I mentioned that they had like a stable of actors. You don't get any of the really big actors in this one. Um, Cushing and Lee had mostly moved on from Hammer at this point. Uh, Cushing was still around. He, I think this was billed as a double feature with the very last Frankenstein picture they made, okay. which was Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell, uh, which I I can't remember. I, I think Caroline Monroe was up for a role in the movie, and she decided not to take it because uh, she did not want to get naked. Uh, according according to her IMDb, that would be one of very few horror films that she decided not to take. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's she has got quite the resume when it comes uh, when it comes to horror films. Just including, just by the way, the abominable Doctor Phoebes. So I mean, uh, one, one of the great oh my god, great like, movies uh, yes. of Vincent Price. Which we have to remedy that as well. Yeah, we haven't done a single Vincent Price movie. So so maybe for our next classic. Um, uh, not next month because we've got next month planned, but we for do. the month after that, may maybe we'll do a Vincent Price movie. Um, so you you've got like this this interesting mix of people. This was the first one that Caroline Monroe had done for Hammer. She went on to do a couple other ones, uh, but guy uh, guys like Shane Bryant who played um, Paul Durwood, uh, he was a Hammer stalwart. So was uh, John Carson who played Doctor Marcus and John Cater who played Grost. Uh, but by and large, the people involved here were not really Hammer players uh so you do get this like interesting portrayal of very stock hammer kind of characters right yeah. so like you do have the hero and you have the romantic interest and you have the best friend and you've got um you know the 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 family of villains and they're all played very interestingly because playing off of new people that they've never played off of before right um so it's it's um there's there's a chemistry there i think that it all works well uh particularly um with um uh with uh, horse jansen and with um john cater as uh as Kronos and gross like those two play off each other really well with horse jansen either doing so much acting or almost no acting like it's right. really weird it's it's almost like a like a Clint Eastwood school of of acting like if you've seen any of those Clint Eastwood westerns uh the the early ones not the later ones uh but those early Clint Eastwood westerns um it's almost like he's not doing anything at all he's just looking at people but you can tell that somewhere beneath the surface, there's so much going on. You right. see it in his eyes. You see it in like a subtle little twitch of the mouth. You see it in the way he cocks his head. There's a lot going on there without there being an awful lot going on. So uh, like, I don't know if that's the sign of a great actor or a terrible actor, <laughs> uh, because I don't know enough about acting to, right. to, to define that. Uh, but I do know that whatever it was that Clint Eastwood was doing, I think Horst Jansen was trying to do as well. 
and and I think that he did it effectively. And I think that Caroline Monroe also did a great job at being the romantic interest because she actually had a role to play. Like yes. it was it she wasn't just there to be um like eye candy. Yeah. Which is very rare for a hammer movie. Because you were either eye candy or the villainess. Yes. Um so one quick question about the character. Mm -hmm. So I've been looking at the Wikipedia for this. It lists Julian Holloway as the voice of Captain Kronos. Do you know what that's about? Because I didn't notice yeah. at any point in the movie it seemed to be a different. Like, did he do all the voice work or just some he of did. it? Okay. Yeah. Apparently, Horst Jansen had a really thick German accent. Right. And um, they dubbed him over. And okay. Just like Caroline Monroe, who's a British actress and speaks with a, you know, typical London accent. Um, they wanted her to have more of this like classic, you know, hammer theater. <laughs> and so um, the, the voiceover actress who had worked on many a hammer picture um, doing overdubs for uh, different actresses from different countries that they would hire simply because they looked the part. Right. right? Um, they hired her to do, uh, Monroe's uh, overdub. Oh, really okay. weird. Yeah, very yeah. strange. Because if you if you listen to Monroe in um, like the Spy Who Loved Me, which came out shortly after this, uh, where uh, she plays a villain instead of instead of a hero uh, mm -hmm. or a heroine, um, the voice sounds completely different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, and I just I, like I said, I was like. Because, I, I mean, and that was the thing. It was like I didn't have a frame of reference for, like, how Horace Jansen sounds, you know, like, right, off the top of my head. And so I was just like, I was like, I guess this is dubbed over, but it's dubbed over really well. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I kept I kept trying. Like, once I saw that on the wiki, like, I kept trying to watch. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's a voiceover somewhere that I've forgotten or something like that. But this was really popular back in... Uh, in the 60s and 70s it is something that they did a lot in england because uh, i know a lot of those like james bond villains and uh, uh femme fatales they did the same thing for like art goldfinger very famously uh gert frobe just you know he had a really thick german accent but he looked the part right and, and, and he had that scowl and the laugh and it was fantastic uh but apparently you couldn't understand what he said if you were English. <laughs> I guess and, this is something I never paid attention to like that much. Yeah. Uh, you know, like unless you're watching something that's not in English and then they're speaking English, you know, right. given one like that. Okay. Yeah. So when we're looking at the characters here, my favorite of the characters were the, the, the brother and sister, um, the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the Durwards? Durwards, yeah. Durwards, yes. I loved them so much because they were they were so odd, but so very, mm -hmm. like, confident in who they were. Like, they were obviously, you know, very upper crust and and not have any, anything to do with anybody else when they yeah. could avoid it. Um, I loved the... Mother was a Durwood by marriage. Yes, That exactly. will never happen to you. 
And so I loved, I loved the the way the story worked, where every single thing Sarah said led us to believe that she yeah. was a vampire, and she delivered it so perfectly. Like, uh, you know, uh, it it may sound vain, but I never want to grow old, you know. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, so this broad's a vampire, but right. like just just the way, and like the the other guy was so like little lord fauntleroy like about everything you know <laughs> just with his with his really tall hat and just yeah. like just pissing on dr marcus because his dad died in his arms and all that they ended up being like really fun characters who again just brought something else to the story like he was Dr. Marcus, but when you look at where he was living, it wasn't anything spectacular. You know, mm -hmm. he just kind of seemed to be like a, you know, a, a middle class guy. And then you you got the the traveling vagabonds, you've got the damsel in distress. And it's like, and you know, here's some rich folks, because we got a little bit right. of everything wherever they are. Um, and they uh, and again, the girl who played Sarah, gorgeous, just just very yeah. pretty. And mm -hmm. so, like, it's just they they ended up being really great and you gotta love someone who's so dumb that their mother's face can basically completely melt um appear to be a death mask while she's alive and his expression is oh she is sick with grief it's like she's sick with what? <laughs> bro she got leprosy like <laughs> faces aren't supposed yeah. to look like that no that's not grief man take her to a doctor um i just but you know but it was it was so beneath them that like somebody else might get sick or that their dad just died because he was sick they're rich rich people right. don't die because they get sick rich people pay for doctors you know stuff like that it mm. was and they and all of that like most of what I just said was never like explicitly said in the film, but these two actors just picked up on it. Gave yeah. off such a great performance with their very limited time on screen. I was mesmerized by the two of them. <laughs> and it was just, it was so funny to me with so much going on. I was like, man, these two are just killing it. Yeah. And, and there's such a disdain for the, like the, that lower crust. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, it, 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 one of the things I like about Hammer movies is that you're never too far removed from, uh, like a feudalistic society. Right. There's, there's there's this one lord, and everyone kind of oh yes, you know that that's Castle von Horst over there. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and who is that? I don't know. I've never heard of him. He's never in a history book or something like that. He's just, you know, he's some some rich fuck who happened to, <laughs> to own more pigs than we did. And so we all bought you know, our fucking meat for that guy. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just so. So the, the characters in this ended up being there. There's also so just some off the wall ones. I love. I love that there was just a random blind woman in the bar that served no story purpose whatsoever, <laughs> except for being interesting, sitting in the bar with her blindfold on very carefully, like covering her cup whenever somebody came into the bar. The, the, the one fat guy who was obviously rich based on the way he dressed and just threw a bunch of money at like the hoodlums that were in the bar. Why? Yeah. I don't know. Did I miss it? Did Those he ever... hoodlums provided some of the best fucking action in the movie. Yes. And that, I mean, that, that guy like was fucking chewing up scenery. Yeah. And, and, and it was, it was great. It was fucking fantastic.
Yeah, like when he made the guy laugh, you know, like you're yeah. talking about the, the Western thing. It was the sword mm-hmm. equivalent of dance while he shot at his feet. Yes. Right. He puts the sword to his chest and makes him laugh. And then he makes him laugh louder. Like those, the characters were so great because so many of them were so off the wall. But I would expect nothing less, not only from a Hammer film, but from one where the main character dresses like a pirate and hunts vampires. Like, (laughs) I cannot stress enough that the main character of this wore the Seinfeld puffy shirt, a captain's jacket that looked like it had never seen a bit of dirt, even though he rides a horse everywhere, (laughs) sleeps in barns on a regular basis, and this is our hero. Like, and he was awesome. So when that's your main character, if anybody else is going to stick out, they've got to be insane. And it was Mm -hmm. spectacular. Yeah. For me, I, I do love the Durwards. They're fantastic. And uh, the leader of that group of hoodlums at the bar does stand out for me. Uh, He is one of my favorites. Um, And he does provide for us like uh, that foil for us to see some of that like gray morality in right. in Kronos so, because it's you know it's like wow you know he's willing to kill someone for just saying something yeah you just know, for insulting it, his friend right you know in the end what did he do he didn't do anything he just said something um but it does give us that opportunity kind of like you know Han Solo and Greedo in 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 Star Wars where right. you know Greedo just gives us the opportunity to see what Han Solo's medal is and um, and so I, I do like that character for that reason. And I think he's played quite well. But for me, it's Grost. Grost yeah. is the one where uh, like he is the font of knowledge. Yeah, he's he's this guy who it's like and everything he says, he says so convincingly um, like he could be the like most absolute moronic person ever. And I would never know because yeah. he is speaking with such conviction. And it's like, oh, so you're saying that we put we you know we put a frog in a box, a dead frog in a box, we bury it, and then when a vampire passes by, if the frog is uh, alive, then 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 we know that that was a vampire. Okay, cool. Let's yeah, let, yeah. Let's, let's do, do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're we're gonna we're gonna tie jingle bells to a string. <laughs> Why? Because if a vampire bat flies by, it'll ring. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> let let's do that. Yeah, and, and there's these ridiculous things, and yet he's always right. Yeah, you know yeah. he 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 uses the the dead frog box almost like a grenade. To, oh, it's so great! Like, like, a, like he's a, hide like a behind the tree grenade. and throws it out underneath yeah. their carriage as it goes by. So he, genius! He uses it as a smoke grenade to to mark the carriage. You know, it's like oh, it's fucking awesome. You know, so um, he's he's brilliant. He's brilliant so that he can allow Kronos to shine. Right. Um, and and he's 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 okay with playing second fiddle because he knows that you know him being a hunchback, being um physically disabled, like he can never do what Kronos does, but he, he doesn't have to because Kronos right. can't do what he does. And and so they they make the perfect team. They are Batman and Robin. They are Sherlock and Watson. Uh, they are Chip and Dale. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Come come up with with uh, with another perfect team. 
And so what was what was even greater about the fact that that he was so smart and the scene with the hoodlums in the bar, it made it it was it it made it an even better scene to see him shaken to his core just about being insulted about his physical appearance. It's like this is a guy who we've been watching through this movie know everything. Like, mm-hmm. like there, there's, there's no end to it. Like his, his best friend is Captain Kronos. Like that's the dopest shit. And he's the coolest motherfucker. Ever. Yes, exactly. And it's like, mm-hmm. and you're the dude he says can travel with you. Like nothing should bring you down, but it's, it's such a vulnerable moment where it, you know, it just, it shows that everybody, like no matter how great you are at anything or something that there, there's that, there's that one thing right that everybody's insecure about and it made that like having that scene in there did so much to ground him as not just like the the you know lord high genius who knows all this stuff it's like yeah he's also a dude right like and and then to just see his best friend you know what did he say it was like you know god wouldn't have made you anything less than perfect if he did this there's a reason and and and, but then that's all it took because then he realized oh it doesn't matter what some asshole in a bar says my best friend is the coolest guy alive and so it was just there was a really touching moment with them right there that was spectacular and you're man he really was a great character yeah great oh also just before we move on from characters if you didn't watch the credits all the way through the very last character credited is an actress who just played whore yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i'm just just sitting there watching the credits i'm like oh whore okay that's a that's a nice change up from whore number one (laughs) yes and whore number two she's just the whore just the one whore yeah just the one one. whore to rule them all (laughs) (laughs) one whore to find them (laughs) one whore to bring them all and in the darkness darkness fuck them them. (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck i'm gonna hell um so one of the one of the things that we we touched upon a little bit um and uh, we touched upon a little bit in our overview, a little bit in our story uh, discussion, but I think merits its own conversation is how vampires are handled in this particular movie. Right. Um, so part of this is due to Hammer's attempt to turn this into its own franchise. Right. Um, and part of this is due to Hammer just, you know, like, throwing shit in a gumbo pot and seeing what works because you know the the standard you know dracula and frankenstein stuff just wasn't cutting it anymore right um we see drastically different vampires to what we've seen before uh you mentioned before that gross says you know well we think of vampires as sucking blood this one is sucking youth yes and it um it's it's rather striking at first when you see this you know once you know gorgeous vibrant young girl left looking like a frail old woman and it happens over and over and over again and and we we do see you know that rather ominous image you know very kurosawa-esque with the door swings wide open and yes. there's the hooded figure with lightning crashing in the background and you know that this is going to be the next victim it's um it's a fresh take on vampires but as we well know living in a post twilight world 
not all takes on vampires are seen as um good right right so um does how does this fit into the larger mythos of vampires here and does it work for you so you you took a couple of words right out of my mouth which is you know when the the idea of the vampire tale is old as time and so you're always looking to put a fresh spin on it and you're right sometimes that just doesn't work what's interesting here is it is a fresh spin but it's also just kind of an amalgamation of you know other things that have already existed what we got with this were vampires that were somewhere between your typical uh you know draculean vampire mm -hmm. and and a psychic vampire like it, it's right. like it's it's like an overlapping of those two venn diagrams right like the the vampires that we got from this are right in the middle blood seems to be a factor as the the girls do bleed but it's not drinking the blood necessarily and so a but product of the wound right it's just a product of the wound and so but you're still removing their life force just in a way that you're like taking years from them you know like you're 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 stealing their their youth so you are still taking you are taking away their life force much like a vampire or a psychic vampire you're just doing it without taking their blood and so i think that what we got here was a great kind of middle ground on those things that allowed it to feel fresh and new especially after as many dracula movies as they'd made but it still felt right um we do see these vampires out uh, this vampire out in the light of day but we always see them completely covered up the the hood is all the way up you don't see hands or anything like that so we're never except for with dr marcus but he's still turning, which could be why he was able to be out in the sunlight. They never really mm -hmm. established whether or not whether or not that is part of their vampire canon. But they they left enough there that you can think it may or may not be. They did the they took the concept of the vampire, changed it just enough to where they made it their own, but it still felt familiar. You know, it's. I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and, and shit on Twilight movies, not because I don't want to, but just because it's fucking hack. But like, you yeah. know, like, but they they took things and made them too unfamiliar, and they they took things and made it to where it just didn't feel right. Which is, you know, it's a it's a thin line to walk when you're taking something that are that people are very familiar with and changing it, but making it still feel cozy you still feel comfortable with this idea of the vampire one thing that, that that scene where the door crashes open and that you were talking about that scene went a long way to sell these vampires as horrifying because yep. you know in that one they actually the vampire actually tears them to shreds like you're watching mm -hmm. blood splatters land out on the sides and they looked far more gruesome by the time chronos found them well, and, and you know what I think about that? What's I that? think it was a different vampire. Okay, so because I I think previously we were seeing Lady Durward, right? And I think that is Lord Durward, 
who would be hungrier because he's just come back to life and more yeah. desperate for life force. That makes sense. And yeah, so now, he would have drained them there's further. No, there's no indication that that is the case. Right. But, but, but I, I think that, you know, logically that kind of makes a little bit of sense there. Well, especially because Lady Durward, she was draining them and leaving them, you know, just old. But those mm. were drained to the point of, you know, death on Nothing. the spot yeah. and, and shredded, mm. which would make sense because, like I said, he would need more life force because mm. he was just he was literally brought back from the dead and he's still hurting. You know, she was doing all right. So the but they it was. I like that they not only did that, but that they established this is not the only type of vampire. This is just our type of vampire, which right. that that goes a long way towards making it more okay to mess with vampire mythos when you're just, no, it's a different breed. You know, like Blade. Blade's like, all right, they're vampires. You kill them with garlic, sunlight, silver, boom. So then Blade 2, they're like, no, those are still there, but check it out. Here's these other ones. And then you're like, oh, okay, cool. So like we still got vampires, but now we get new vampires, right? It's As long as you don't just go, no, this is the way all vampires are. Fuck you for thinking differently. Then I right. think people are going are gonna to be okay with you messing with those tales. And that's what they did really well. I I agree. And I think that because we know where the producers were were heading and that this was simply going to be one kind of vampire that Kronos was going to encounter um, where in the next installment, maybe the steel cross wouldn't have any effect right. on him. You know, maybe it would be something else. Uh, you know, maybe some other metal or, uh, you know, one of the more obscure um, sort of deaths from one of the you know, middle entries in, in the Dracula series, Running Water, you know. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I was, yeah. When you said Running Water, I was like, I haven't seen that. And then I was like, oh, no, you're talking about like uh, something that stops vampires, like moving water. Got it. Yeah, yeah. That that, yeah. that would, you know, you trap them in running water and, you know, done. Um, and I, I think they use that in uh, Taste the Blood of Dracula. Or, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, you know, Dracula's Risen from the Grave. I can't remember right now. Um, it's been a while since I've binged those Dracula movies. I need to get back <laughs> to it again. Um, I, I have seen that first one quite a few times. But uh, the ones in between, it's been a little while. Um, so I, I think that that kind of makes it go down a little easier that they're you know kind of messing with the Dracula um, you know, the, the classic vampire mythos there. Um, and I do like that they are leaving this subtly sexual, uh, because to, to take it back to, to twilight, I, I, again, I don't want to shit on twilight. It is something that a lot of people are really into. And I think it does have its merits, uh, even if it's not my thing. Right. Um, but I think that when you, the, the beauty of the vampire is in how subtly sexual, a monster it is and when you turn it into an overtly sexual monster um where um like it's not a monster anymore it's romance yes then you've kind of taken away a lot of what that monster represents and and ultimately that's you know for for someone who's in it for the monster who's not in it for the romance now you've taken away what 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 i was looking for in a vampire and i think that they left this here where it was still subtly sexual 
And, uh, you know, you you do get this vampire who's draining these these young girls and it is all virginal girls. Right. Who are being drained with a kiss. You know, right. it's it, it's it's subtly sexual, you know, taking them away. And it's the girl who turns old enough to be a, a woman. So she gets her, you know, her wristlet from um, from her father. Right. <laughs> and it's like it, it's so perfect, you know, because then at that moment, the moment she ventures out, that's when, uh, you know, thinking about this, you know, in, in a critical analysis sense, that's when she goes out and loses her virginity. Also, the dad dropped like the most like subtly like racist like a line when he's like, <laughs> he goes, I'm, I'm just quoting the movie here. Maybe I just read too much into it, but he goes, that thing's uh, uh, that thing is locked tighter than um, than a than a money lender's purse. And I was like, oh, oh yes, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. pops, that was racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we don't condone anti-Semitism <laughs> no. here at uh, at Shiver. Um, yeah, that definitely was. Um, so, but you know, yes, pr- but, product but, of yeah, the time. Yeah, no. yeah, but like like you said, that's you know, and you're right because she was she she was finally a woman, and you know, this is what she got for it. Right. You know, so there's there's still I think enough here to make this um classically vampire, but enough to indicate that okay, well, this is something new, and particularly because we're trying to establish a new series here. Um, yeah. a new kind of enemy where um, if they had gone with a traditional vampire for this entry, it would have made it awkward for the second entry to then change it up. Right. Um, or then this entry becomes more or less um, inconsequential because you'd want to jump to that second entry where it's like, no, no, I want to get to that good stuff. Right. Uh, think about blade and blade Two. Very often, I find people prefer Blade Two, uh, right. not just because it's Guillermo del Toro, but <laughs> uh, but because I think it's more interesting when you change it up with different kinds of vampires. So um, and- I think it works. I, I and, and I think that because it doesn't buck any of the commonly accepted, the traditional vampire myths. Right? It's not that that stuff doesn't exist. It's that that there's this stuff in addition to that. Right, like trying trying the stake first, you know, on Doctor mm-hmm. Marcus, and or talking about how he had to kill his mom and sister with yeah. the stake, but then also to show the 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 teeth marks, you know, mm-hmm. on his neck to be like, yeah, no, that type of vampire is still around, you know, like all those things they did that just established that they weren't trying to recreate the vampire; they were just trying to create another one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that this could exist in if there were a hammer horror shared universe. Mm-hmm. I think that this could exist within it. Yeah, well, I think I think without a doubt, this this absolutely mm-hmm. could. So uh, I guess that takes us to it's time for us to rate this thing. So if you are new to the podcast, what we like to do is we only like to rate a movie against itself. So for every movie that we rate, we do it out of five, but we give it a unique rating system. And for this one, we're going to go with something that you just don't see that often. At least I haven't seen it that often. And we are going to rate this out of a possible five 
katana wielding Germans. <laughs> <laughs> it's too perfect. It's too perfect. It really is. Like I just, I just that first time that I saw the handle on thing, I was like, that is a motherfucking katana. And then, and then you see the rapier too, and I was like, and that's a rapier. And then, and then they make the the, the steel sword. They're like, they're like, or the iron sword, and they're like, and that. And it's like, and that one's just a long sword. Like this dude just knows his shit. Like if there had been another one, he'd have had nunchucks. So, out of a possible five katana-wielding Germans, Dave, what do you give Captain Kronos? You know, I've been thinking about this because I I, I really do like this movie a lot. Um, this is one of my favorite Hammer Horror movies. And and I thought at first, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to be somewhere around the four, um, you know, katana-wielding German range. Right. Because... Um, you know, if I had to watch a Hammer movie, this probably wouldn't be the first one I'd put on. I'd probably go somewhere in in like the Frankenstein or the Dracula realm. Uh, but then I started thinking, I'm like, man, but you know what? Like the fact that it isn't Frankenstein or Dracula is part of the reason why this movie is so great. You know, um, it's uh, because it's it's Indiana Jones because yeah. uh, because it's Robin Hood, because it's all these other things in addition to being you know like a hammer dracula movie um so i was like maybe i'll go four and a half and then i was thinking well you know i i don't think i'll go as high as five because there's all these things that kind of feel like they were setting up a a, a sequel or a series and so they could have been better explained later down the road but then i think but i do like mystery yeah and i think my disappointment in not getting a sequel or a series shouldn't have any bearing on this rating this movie. Okay. So I keep trying to come up with reasons for why I shouldn't give it five <laughs> and falling short. Um, and uh, I know that at this point it seems cliche that I'm giving every classic movie five. <laughs> um but I think I am going to go five katana wielding Germans for this one. All right. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to go that high. Um, there's it's, you know, it's one of those things where you, like you said, you kind of look at this one and, and you always have that idea of, you know, like would I recommend this one. And I absolutely would. And, and to a lot of people to, uh, to a lot of people, I would recommend this one. I think that it does a lot of things very well. I think that it's extremely, I mean, it's extremely fun. We get the great, you know, like eight on one sword fight in the, in the cemetery that's mm -hmm. decently choreographed, but then we get the great fucking one-on-one -on -one sword fight at the end. That's like incredible. that sword fight at the end was just so, so damn good. Um, and so you've got a lot of these really good elements that are going to sell it to a lot of people, but I'm not going to, I'm not ready to be like, yeah, it's like, it's perfect. Cause you know, there, there are a couple things where it's like, oh, okay, it's never boring, <laughs> but sometimes just like, yeah, you know, I get, you know, it's just, it, it's never boring, but there are a couple scenes that maybe drag a little bit and they're, you know, all movies are going to have those. It's, I'm really, I'm not taking too much away from it because I really, really did love it. I'm just not comfortable at that full five mark. So I am going to sit at four and a half. Okay, uh, this is where I thought you were going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just, 
it didn't, there was, there was like one half star worth of X factor that I just didn't get here somewhere along the way. Like I can't put my finger on exactly what they could have done to get that other half star. It's just, you know, when, when, and I know we don't compare it to the others, but like when I, when we watched invasion of the body snatchers, like there was this, this X factor that just had me enthralled and bride of Frankenstein did the same thing. And this one just didn't have that, that one little bit that, yeah. that would make me give it that extra half star. So I'm going to go four and a half katana wielding Germans. You know, I, I think you, you and I aligned almost perfectly on this, except that where, where I sat on that fence and fell on the side of five, you sat on the fence and fell yeah. on the side of four and a half. I think so. Um, but uh, but but truly, I think that we're we're in the same place. Uh, so so there it is. It is four and three quarter katana wielding Germans. Um, so uh, I, I guess it would be like uh, like a katana and a wakasashi. Hey, there right? we go. Yeah. So four katana wielding Germans and one wakasashi wielding German. Uh, I think I said that correctly. Uh, it's the, the shorter it version of the, the shorter one. Yes. Yeah. Um I know it's not a daikatana because that's that's the double one. That's like the the double length one. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh so um so there you go. 4 and 3 quarters. Um I really do hope that you enjoyed this show because I did. Yeah. Um yeah, this 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 was a fun one. And next month we have something kind of special for um for you all because it's special for uh, for daniel and myself uh daniel you want to talk about what's going on next month what we've decided to do is instead of just doing one movie at the beginning of the month that's new to both of us, we are going to do a full month of movies that are new to both of us. Not only are they new to both of us, but almost all of them are streaming and going to be available to anybody who might want to watch. Keep an eye on our social media. We're going to re- we're going to be releasing that uh, schedule soon. We're going to be it's most of its newer stuff uh, with the exception of the end of the month. I mean, everything's come out within the last 10 years, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so make sure you keep an eye on all of our social media. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Shiver Pod. We do what we can to interact on um, on our Instagram to keep that updated, you know, memes what's coming up on the show, stuff like that. So make sure you follow us at Shiver Pod. That's going to be where you get that new to everybody calendar for the month of May. And if you enjoyed what you heard and would like to hear more, uh, you can find all of the Geek Bro Network podcasts as we are on a podcast network um, at geekbro.net. Uh, where you can find shows like Mount Geek More, like What's Up Bro, Ben Will Let Me Tell You, uh, Seasons, a TV podcast, Crimacopia, Kick Flicks, uh, A Dose of Ellie, Comedy Fitness. I think I got them. Uh, our sister podcast, Crimacopia? I think I said that. that. Oh, okay. I think I, I did. I may not have said sister podcast. <laughs> I, I, um, I may be disassociated if I, there for a minute. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but if I didn't, uh, we'll hear it back later. Yes, you can be like, exactly. ah, you didn't, you didn't say it. You, you, 
<laughs> you, you fargan bastard. Also, speaking of Geek Bro, if you head to T Public and you type, you search for keyword Geek Bro, you get merchandise with not only our logo on it, our awesome logo that you can find right up here in the corner and on Dave's coffee mug. You can get it on a t-shirt, a mug, a pillow. I don't know. Maybe they make giant blankets. They do tap. I know they do tapestries. So yeah, you can get do. not only stuff with our logo, but anything else from that show. So if you really like it, if you like our remarkable logo up here, make sure you head to T Public. Do a search for Geek Bro, and you can find the logos for all the shows there. Absolutely. Right. So, on behalf of all of us here on Shiver, fright you very much. <laughs> <laughs>